Our scripture that was previously read came from Exodus, the 13th chapter, the 17th through to the 22nd verses. And I'll just lift up verse 22, which reads, Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. In August 2017, police arrested 45-year-old David Brady of New York after they spotted him sitting under a tent at the Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival in Tennessee with what appeared to be drugs. Police say a search of Brady turned up 37 fake molly pills, 22 bags of fake mushrooms, 1,000 hits or so of fake acid, 20 bags of fake cocaine, and an incense stick disguised as black tar heroin. Brady was charged with two counts of possession of counterfeit controlled substances. He was also wanted on felony warrant out of Arkansas. According to the report, Brady was selling fake drugs to concert goers at the festival because he believed he was doing God's work. On a popular televangelist ministry, there was a guest preacher who only comes on when the network is asking for money. The guest preacher said that God had told him that whoever pledged $1,000 to the ministry would find themselves completely out of debt within the next month. He told them to pledge $1,000 and send in $100 of it right away. He said that God would erase their debts completely. And then he said, if that doesn't work, do it again. He believed he was doing God's work. In both of these cases, these people believed that it was God that was leading them. Very often when we find ourselves caught between a rock and a hard place, that is when we are faced with having to make difficult or challenging decisions, or when it is uncertain which way we are to go, it is easy to fall to our fears and attribute to God something that has absolutely nothing to do with him. Quite frankly, brothers and sisters, it is hard to hear God when you're at the Red Sea. A lot of people claim to hear God telling them to do things that I'm pretty sure God is actually not telling them what to do. Wouldn't it be nice if there were a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night that would lead us and guide us so that we would know exactly what it is that God would have us do? Well, today, I want to talk about this leading. and The title of today's sermon is quite simply, Led by the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we have come to the preaching hour. We thank you, Lord, for all that our eyes have seen and all that our ears have heard. We thank you, Father, that we don't know sometimes which way to go, but you have not left us without hope. You send us signs. You've sent us signals, and you've done it through your word. Now, Lord, we pray that everyone who hears this message will hear your spirit and find clarity in the way that you are leading them by your spirit. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
As a pastor, there are times when I'm unsure where God is leading me. This is a dangerous thing to admit, especially when you're leading a church, because no one wants to think that the person they are following are not quite sure where they are going. But to tell you the truth, sometimes I am a little unsure. It is at these moments of uncertainty, however, that I have learned to stay still and simply be patient and wait for God's specific directions and instructions for that moment. And I can tell you, when I am patient enough to quiet all the noise and the voices around me, God speaks. God leads. God directs. But more often than not, I am, like many of us, very impatient. And sometimes we decide to take matters into our own hands. Whenever I've done this in the past, I find that I get into so much trouble that I would have been better off having not done anything at all. To wait for God's leading can be difficult, especially when you think that time is running out. So we have two questions before us this morning. Two questions simply. Number one, where is God leading us? And secondly, how do we know that it is God who is leading us? Well, to answer these questions, we need to take a look at our text and see what we can learn from the experiences of the Israelites as they were making their way out of Egypt. Our story begins with Moses and the children of Israel about two million people heading out of Egypt on their way, as you all are familiar with the story, to the promised land. After having seen and been through a series of plagues in the land of Egypt, God had demonstrated his sovereignty and his power over all creation and all of the gods that they worshipped in Egypt. And dare I say, all the false gods that they were worshipping in Egypt. The tenth plague, as you all know, was the death of the firstborn of all of the people of Egypt. And that was the final blow that caused Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Now our text tells us in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, there is much that we're being told in these few verses. It's first, number one, going through the land of the Philistines would have been a shorter route. In fact, it would have been an 11-day journey. That's number one. Number two, going through the land of the Philistines meant that war was inevitable. And number three, the Israelites would not be able to handle the pressure of the war, and they would be forced to turn back to Egypt. So knowing these three things, God decided to lead the people another way. This other way that God chose to lead the people accomplished three things. Number one, it took the Israelites 40 years instead of 11 days to reach the promised land. Second thing is, they did face war. In fact, they faced multiple wars. And third, almost every single person that came out of Egypt 
never made it to the promised land, including Moses himself. So here we see that God chose another way that led to more time, that led to more wars, and in fact, the people, some of the people, most of the people, didn't even end up in the promised land. So if God was concerned with the welfare of the Israelites, how is this? a better outcome than 11 days with a few wars and everyone making it into the promised land. How is this a better outcome for the people? Well, well, what's the point of God leading all these people out of Egypt and them not making it to the promised land? Well, I think the answer to the question lies into three truths. Number one, God's leading is always for nations. Hear me clearly. God's leading is never for an individual. It's always for nations. Everything that God does, he does in community, with a group, with many people. God knows the end from the beginning, and his purposes are much greater and higher than yours and mine. God wanted the Israelites to travel to Mount Sinai to receive his law and then be organized into a nation. The descendants of the Israelites were of tremendous value to God, but God needed these Israelites in order to fulfill their destiny as part of God's grand scheme. The act was for Israel to leave Egypt, but the plan of God was to build a nation. Their deliverance from Egypt was not about them, but instead about what they carried within them. And this group of people carried within them the seed that was to eventually become the Christ. Now I know this may sound a little scary or a little weird, but what I'm trying to tell you is that God is more interested in what's in you than you. God is more interested in what's in you than you. Because the things that you are interested in, quite frankly, are things that are most often more material that God has no value for. But God has value in what's within you. Pope John Paul II once said, as he addressed a group of leaders from third world countries, and I quote, he said this, Pope John Paul II, he said, don't look at Western nations for models in your development. They know how to make things, but they don't know how to live with them. They have acquired a mind-boggling technology, but they have forgotten how to raise their children. This is Pope John Paul II. Far too often, we tend to only see what's in our best interest without recognizing that there is a much bigger picture to our lives than what we know. Every person viewing this and listening to this message is a part of something so much greater than whether or not you get the things you individually, you personally may want out of life. To be sure, the real value of your life is not determined by you. It is determined by your seed, your offspring, your children. Who and what you produce is always going to be greater than who you are. So number one, God's leading always involves nations. 
The second thing is that God's leading is not obvious. The text tells us that God did not lead them by the land, by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. Sometimes what is easier or nearer is not always what is better. We live in a time when people are more likely to want to take shortcuts or short ways whenever faced with challenges. Nowhere is this more obvious than what we see even today in these United States in this rush to get to a vaccine for the coronavirus disease, bypassing all the regulations and standards that have been put in place to ensure our safety, all in an effort to try and score points during an election season. The Israelites had just been saved from Pharaoh. After serving 400 years in slavery and Egyptian bondage, they certainly were not prepared physically, emotionally, or spiritually to do battle with anyone. In fact, let alone a Philistine army, all the Israelites knew to do was to make bricks and complain. Make bricks and complain. That is all the Israelites knew how to do. They were a demoralized, broken, and disgruntled people and were in no condition to survive, let alone face a Philistine army and defend themselves. They needed time to mature and to develop. The Philistines were probably the toughest warriors in the land at the time. And while these Philistines were no match for God, the Israelites still had not learned their lessons well enough. Sometimes you can jump out of the gate too soon before you're ready for what God even really has planned for you. If they faced those Philistine giants first, they would not have had enough faith to move forward. Instead, they would quickly run and return to Egypt, a more familiar environment. Sometimes people would say, I'd take my chances with the devil I do know than the devil I don't know. So we need to remember that God always knows what's best for us. And there is something to be said about going through the process and not taking shortcuts to make us better, which would end up making us worse off than when we were beginning. In Jamaica, and many of you watching from Jamaica might be familiar with this popular saying, long cut draws breath, but shortcuts draw blood. God is in no hurry. He knew the people were not yet prepared for war. God knows what you need, and you are always better off doing things his way. So my point is, God's leading is not always obvious. Now the third and final thing I want to say is God's leading is always spirit-led. There is nothing that God has for you that he has not already prepared a way for you. As a culture, we are, we are great at beginning and starting things. We are adept at setting magnificent goals, but it is in the in-between time that we tend to experience real struggle. When things get really bad, we tend to just want to start over or set a new goal or a new vision. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you know that if God had told you to do something and you are sure, shortcuts is not the way that gets you to your expected end. 
before the nation of Israel would reach their destination, God would lead them through many trials and experiences to prepare them for victory. In the very same way, God saves us, sets us free, and then leads us through the various experiences of our lives one day at a time so that we might get to know him better and to be able to claim by faith all that he has for us. In fact, that is why when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray, he said what? Give us this day our daily bread. My point is, brothers and sisters, you need to understand that God is not going to give you the whole picture for you to be able to see it and then say, yes, I agree. He's going to give you a little bit at a time. And that little bit of it at a time requires you to have faith, the kind of faith that lets you hold on for your bread the next morning. But there is a very unique truth here that we can easily miss. And if we examine our text again, in verse 18, it says, So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. They set out from Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. I don't know if you see God's salvation plan here, but it said when they got to the edge of the wilderness, God the Father was the one leading them through the wilderness and toward the Red Sea. Literally, God was leading the people to what would appear to them a dead end. The Red Sea represents the point in our lives where you come to where you have to make a decision to either trust God or to go back to Egypt. But to get to that point, you must go through your wilderness experience. Your wilderness experience, as bad as it may be, as bad as it may feel, is really only preparation to get you to your dead-end Red Sea. Many of you have been here on a journey for a very long time. You've had some very difficult and, dare I say, horrific days. Many of you are even wondering why you haven't yet even lost your mind. But you are still here. Well, the truth is you are still here because God has been leading you through the wilderness of your life all this time so that you could still be here. You made it this far because you now know the truth about who God is. And because he brought you from such a mighty long way, you now have a testimony that God is real. You didn't get here by accident. Furthermore, look at what the text said happened in the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they may travel by day and by night. Did you ever wonder why God would use a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Well, the wilderness is hot. So God provided a cloud that would block the harsh rays of the sun while at the same time showing the people the way to go. No one could possibly know which way to go in a wilderness. And he also provided a pillar of fire by night. Did you not know that by night it gets cold? So not only was the light providing them a way to go, it was also providing them with heat during those cold nights in the wilderness. You may not have been aware of it, but God has been leading you by his spirit 
all this time and right now listening to this message is proof that God has been leading you. You are not here by accident. So going back to our two questions, where is God leading us? And how do we know that it is God who is leading us? To answer these two questions, we must first understand why the Israelites were even in the wilderness in the first place. Why they even needed a pillar of cloud by day, by day, and a pillar of fire by night. You see, there's no reason for you to be led by the Spirit until you have, one, a promise from God, and two, a command from God. You don't need to be going through a wilderness experience that's going to bring fruit in the kingdom of God unless you have first a promise from God and second a command from God. Look with me to Deuteronomy the first chapter and the eighth verse. Here is what it says. God says to the people of Israel, see I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers. God gives his people both a promise. See? I have given you this land. That's a promise. And then a command. Go and take possession of the land. Both of these things are needed for the people of God to be successful in any wilderness and in anything you do. My brothers and my sisters, you need to know that God is with you. And he has made a covenant promise to you. You must believe it. But you also need to take possession of what God has promised. God has not changed. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the same God that is still at work in your life and mine today. The plagues took Israel, the Israelites, out of Egypt, and they can't go back. In a similar way, COVID-19 is taking us out of the Egypt of the way things used to be, and we can't go back. God has not changed his methods, and we see it at work even today. We all need to hear the promise of his word and move out in response to that word. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit. We need to hear God speak promises and take possession of those promises. So as you listen to me today, where is God leading us, especially in this pandemic season? And how do we know that it is God who is leading us? Well, the simple answer is this. God the Father is leading all of us as believers to repent as a nation and then go and make disciples of every nation. He's asking us to lead by the example of his son, Jesus Christ, and to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God is telling us. And it's just that simple. And God promised that, that if you believe on him and in his son, you will have eternal life that is worth much more than what your eyes can behold or what you can conceive in your hearts. For what? For eyes have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the hearts of any man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. My brothers and my sisters, the Bible told us that these days and these times would come, but God has not left us without hope. And so your witnesses, as you go through this wilderness experience, is to stay focused that God has a people in mind 
that he wants to save. God has a people in mind that he wants to bring into the promised land. But we must go through the wilderness. We must go through trials. We must go through the struggles and through the pain. But we must not fear for God walks with us. He walks beside us. He is above us. He's behind us. He goes before us. God is ever with us. He'll never leave us and he will never forsake us. These are his promises. And so while the times may get tough, while it seems that all hell is breaking loose, while it may seem that things are falling apart all around us, while we may not even know what tomorrow brings, listen, my brothers and my sisters, you are here today, which means you have hope. You have the hope of the Holy Spirit in you. And as I told you before, God is not so much interested in you. That's a hard thing for a preacher to tell people. Get off your high horses of yourself. God is interested in what's in you. And so the question becomes, what is in you? For the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us that we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. You hear me? We carry, all of us who have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, we carry in ourselves this temple of the Holy Spirit, this treasure. And he that is within you is greater than he that is within the world. So what I'm telling you is that the thing that is most precious to God is the Spirit of God that is within you. It is what you are carrying that God is interested in. And if all of us who are walking in faith and not by sight walk with that dignity that says we will take the land that God has promised to us, then my brothers and my sisters, the blessing of God is that you will reach your expected end. Whatever it is that God has promised you, believe me, God is not a man that he should lie and you are going to reach your expected end. The question is, do you have the faith to move forward? The question is, do you have faith to continue to persevere? Do you have faith that says, doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it feels like, doesn't matter what it seems like, do you have the faith to stay in the boat knowing that Jesus is on his way? And listen, he could still calm storms with one word. He can still say, peace, be still, and the winds and the rains cease. That is the God. And is that God in you? For if it is in you, then you have a value much greater than yourself. So again, my question today, more specifically, is what is God leading you to do that will advance his kingdom as a nation? Are you living a life that someone's going to look at and say, I want some of what you have? Because the truth of the matter is, if you look like the world, then the world already has the world. And everyone who's in the world, they already have all that they need. Why would they need you? So we as believers need to give the world something that it is desperately in need of. And that is the Holy Spirit's power and to be led by the Spirit of God. Is God leading you to repent of your sins and to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the starting point. Is, is, he, is he leading you to make some kind of change in your life? Have you been doing things the same way over and over and over and over again and expecting to see something different? The truth of the matter is the only thing that you can do over and over and over again and remain where you need to be is in faith. 
Because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And oh, by the way, you start to see that all things work together for the good. That's what you want to keep doing over and over again. Because God will produce a fruit in your life that can only come through faith. But if you're not getting the results you're looking for, then today is a good day to try something new. Is God leading you to commit your life to full-time Christian service? Has God been telling you that, listen, yeah, you, 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 you've got some good things going on in your life, but I have more for you. Listen, the more that God has for you is going to require you to leave Egypt. The Egypt of your mind and your spirit. The Egypt that tells you that you can get where you need to go your way. Because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the things that we see all around us one day is going to fall away. It's going to be tested by the fire. And the only thing that's going to remain is that which is proven by the fire. And the only thing that will remain as these bodies, these mortal flesh fades away, will be the Spirit of God that is within you. So if your answer to those questions is, yeah, I think it's about time that I got real serious about God, then you right now, my brothers and sisters, believe it or not, you're being led by the Spirit. You can't want the things of God unless you're being led by the Spirit. Anytime you want something good in your life, you're being led by the Spirit. Anytime you are doing something that you got no business doing, you don't need me to tell you, but you're not being led by the Spirit. For the God that we serve is a good God, and He only gives good gifts, and everything about God is good. So when you find that you are yearning for more of God, and more of the things of God, then my brothers and my sisters, you've got a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that is leading you to the promised land of his hope. The promised land is Jesus Christ. The short path to the land of the Philistines is a path that will always lead you astray. But God is leading you by his spirit along the pathway of victory and blessing for you and for your generations to come. For broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. So my prayer, if you've heard anything in this message, is that you will find your way today as you are being led by the Spirit. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.